I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 40, Power of Godliness, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Section 84. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Right. Um, this is actually the first time in a while I haven't started holding a baby. So this is kind of nice. I'm like, oh, I can like hold my notes and I'm not trying to keep the mic out of anybody's hands. This is nice. I'm digging it. So let's talk about the nature of God in Christ. Um, in section 84, the message I kept getting over and over again, kind of, kind of like last week's, um, to be honest, was God is fair, right? Um, we see this in Verses 33, 35 through 38, um, 43 and 46, 57, 58, 60, 62, um, and 88 through 90. I thought I wrote 188. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. It's a really big comma. <laughs> um, essentially, it's if you receive God, if you receive his word, if you receive his son, um, you're going to receive good things, right? God's going to keep track of you. I mean, he's going to keep track of you either way, but you know, he's, you're going to receive the kingdom of God. You're going to, um, if you accept him, he accepts you, so to speak. Um, and then in 49 through 52 and 95 through 97, we get kind of a similar, um, feel, but it's kind of backwards, if that makes sense, where it's, if you do not receive him, he does not receive you, right? The message is still the same. It's just the words a little bit different. Um, in verses 80 through 84, we learn that God knows us. He's very aware of us. Um, I was just talking to my cousin. Um, we just found out, and by the time this actually comes out, it'll be a couple weeks later. But, um, as I'm recording this, it's, um, July 4th, actually today, it's happy independence day on the day that I'm recording this. When you actually listen to this, it won't be independence day anymore. Um, but, um, just got news that my grandma has passed and she was saying how she kept hearing all these songs on the radio about like, you know, um, God be with you till we meet again. And, um, these like goodbye death songs. And she was like, what is going on? And I feel like, honestly, I've had several instances like that where heavenly father has very tenderly carved a path for me for something that was going to be hard, um, or something that was going to be a challenge. And he's done it in a way that he's tried to make the start of that path softer so that he, so that I'm aware that he knows what I'm about to do and what I'm about to go through and that he is aware of me and he loves me and he knows, he knows what's happening in my life. Um, I remember on, um, the week that I found out my parents had decided to leave the church that Sunday was Easter Sunday. And we, I probably have told this story before, but we were, um, my husband and I were in the ward choir and we were singing, I can't even remember what song it was. I wanted, it was, you know, one of the Easter atonement songs. Um, and I, I couldn't get a word out. I could not get a word out. I was sobbing the whole time. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't speak. Um, because I was just, I was crying and I just felt this overwhelming love of, I know you, 
I and not like I mean I feel like we hear that in church a lot, right? Where we're like, oh yeah, Jesus knows us, and it kind of feels like this blanket statement. But in that moment, I felt it so individually, if that makes sense, that He knows me, God knows me, Christ knows me. He knows my heart. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my strengths. He knows my desires, the things I've never told anybody, the unspoken desires I keep deep down, locked away in my heart. He knows those things. Um, And I felt this so overwhelmingly. And then two days later, I got an email from my parents saying that they had decided um, to leave the church, have their names removed from the records. And I was floored, obviously. Um, But I just remember thinking the entire time, but how don't they know? How do they not know that God knows them? How do they not know that Christ loves them and knows them? Like, because I'd had that. And that's been something that no matter what has been going on in my life, no matter um, what kind of challenges I come up against, no matter what kind of doubts creep into me, I know the way that I know that if I look up, the sky is blue with some clouds in there. The way that I know the back of my hand, the way that I know my children, I could pick their faces out of a crowd. I know without a doubt, without a shred of, of doubt that God knows me. Christ knows me. Um, and, and we get to see that over and over again in our lives. Um, when we look for it and if you haven't had those experiences, I highly recommend praying for them. Ask Heavenly Father to show him, to show you that he knows you, to show you that he loves you. Um, and I promise you'll see it. Um, so so let's talk about, we're going to change gears here a little bit, but um, let's talk about the plan of salvation. Um, let's talk about men, women, and the priesthood. Um, I'm actually going to preface it by reading... Doctrine and Covenants section 84, verse 109. It says, Therefore let every man stand in his own office and labor in his own calling. And let not the head say unto the feet, It hath no need of them, um, or hath no need of the feet. For without the feet, how shall the body be able to stand? Okay. So, now we're going to look at um, one of the talks that the Kambalami recommends is Men and Women and the Priesthood Power by M. Russell Ballard. This was actually a devotional address. I think it was actually at BYU or BYU-I. Nope, this one was at BYU. Um, but it's available in the September 2014 ensign. So I want to read um, a few little segments from there. The one we're going to start with is this one. He says, men and women are equal in God's eyes and in the eyes of the church, but equal does not mean the same. The responsibilities and divine gifts of men and women differ in their nature, but not in their importance or influence. God does not regard either gender as better or more important than the other. And here's why I want to talk about this. I feel like the world, the world would have us believe that the fact that men get the priesthood and women do not get the priesthood, um makes, implies that God thinks women are lesser than, right? I feel like that's what the world, that's a message the world is trying to send. And I've tried explaining it to people before. And I feel like if you don't want to understand, you're just not going to understand. Um, but here's the way I look at it. You can look at it in a couple of different ways. I'm going to explain the two ways that I typically look at it. One is with a team. 
right? So pick your favorite team sport, right? Whether it's soccer or baseball, water polo, um, you know, volleyball, whatever your favorite team sport is, right? Um, I'm going to talk about it in terms of baseball because I feel like that's one that a lot of people will know. So you have your outfield, right? This is people, right? Everybody's on the outfield. Um, you have your pitcher and you have your catcher, right? Now is one more important than the other? I'm going to let you think about that for a second. Is the pitcher more important than the catcher? They're both on the same team, right? Remember, right? We're in the outfield right now. So, or on the, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I don't really know baseball that well, to be honest. Okay, so I feel like most people would be like, well, no, but you need both, right? You need a pitcher and you need a catcher. Now, there's some people that might say, well, the pitcher is more important because of this. And some people that might say, well, no, the catcher is more important than because of that. But here's the thing. If you have a team and you don't have a pitcher, can you play the game of baseball? Probably not. If you have a team and you don't have the catcher, can you play a game of baseball? Mm, probably not, right? You have to have somebody to throw the ball and you have to have somebody to catch the ball when it strikes out and throw it back to the pitcher. And I feel like that's kind of how it works with men and women. Um, to give you a different analogy, which is part of the reason why I prefaced with that particular scripture and doctrine and covenants, let's look at the body, right? We have the head we have the heart. Those are the two parts I'm going to talk about. We have the brain and we have the heart. Now, is a body alive without the brain? Technically, that is the term called brain dead, right? Where your heart is beating, but the brain is not active, right? It's considered like basically you're a vegetable. You don't, you're not, you're not there. Um, and doctors would consider that as dead. If your heart is beating, but your brain shows no activity, that's considered dead. Um, if the brain is working, but the heart's not beating, are you alive? Also no, right? You have to have both. Now, can the brain do what the heart does? Can the heart do what the brain does? No, right? They serve their own purposes. Now, obviously, I think sometimes um, the world has mixed up kind of what is meant by purposes. I think sometimes we begin to think that, oh, well, women, um, because they're encouraged to stay home with the kids and raise the kids, that that means that they're also in charge of mopping and sweeping and folding the laundry and all the other things that come with regular household chores, that that's women's work. And, I think that the world is obviously pushing us to say, no, that's not. And God has never once said, oh, excuse me, sorry, folding laundry, that is divinely women's work. That's not what he's saying at all, right? Um, he knows that we have our own um, roles that we fulfill, right? And we see these listed out pretty carefully in the um, proclamation to the family. So I want to read the next part um, from Elder Ballard. He says, sisters, your sphere of influence is a unique sphere, one that cannot be duplicated by men. No one can defend our Savior with any more persuasion or power than can you, the daughters of God, who have such an inner strength and conviction. The power of the, vo of the voice of a converted woman is immeasurable, and the church needs your voices now more than ever. Okay. Um, 
I think it, like we said earlier, you know, God is very aware of us. He's aware of our struggles. And, you know, obviously um, in the uh, proclamation to the family and the things that we learn at church are the ideal situation. Ideally, a man and woman get married and are able to have babies and, you know, raise those babies in the church and the man goes to work and mom's able to stay home and raise um, help, you know, nurture the kids. Um, I get that it doesn't always work that way. It just doesn't. Right. Um, my husband's mom was divorced and was a single mom for a while and kind of did all the things. Right. Um, I have friends that, um, have a single dad and he did all the things because he had to, right. Because she had to, they, they just had to make it work. Um, and so if you find yourself in that position, you know, that doesn't mean that, you're doing it wrong. It just means that you don't have the ideal situation and that's okay. That's not your fault. Right. Um, so I just want to make sure that you know that, um, in revealed realities of mortality by Paul D Piper. This is another devotional. It's available in the January, 2016 ensign. He says it is not enough to merely arrive on earth, receive a mortal body and live here for a lifetime to make our life meaningful or to make our time meaningful. We must live and experience the God ordained purposes of mortality fully, completely and wholeheartedly rather than becoming distracted by the things that are interesting, comfortable and convenient. Um, he goes on to say that bearing children is neither easy nor convenient, but it is a commandment that helps us realize the real blessings of mortality. Ultimately, I think this comes back over and over again to the fact that God knows us. He is aware of us. He's aware of our struggles. Um, and I think that we as women tend to sometimes downplay our importance and downplay our worth. Um, Satan is incredibly gifted, <laughs> if you will, um, at targeting our self-worth, targeting our self-esteem. Um, he attacks us in our bodies. He attacks us in our to-do list. He attacks us in, um, the way we do our hair. I mean, anything, everything is just, it feels like a constant attack. Um, and I wanted to read this last thing, um, by Elder Ballard, because I just thought that this really summed up everything kind of beautifully. He says, I learned long ago to listen to my wife. I learned that when she said she has been thinking about something or had strong feelings about a matter pertaining to the family, I had better pay attention because it was nearly because it nearly every case she was inspired. I know firsthand how young adult sisters and young mothers sometimes feel and sometimes question their self-worth and their ability to contribute. But I am a witness that when their thoughts and prayers turn toward heaven, they will be blessed by a strength and a conviction that the father and the son understand their feelings. Women come to earth with unique spiritual gifts and propensities. This particularly is true when it comes to children and families and the well-being and nurturing of others. Um, and I can't tell you the amount of times I've personally gotten to experience that um, with um, with our oldest going to school last year. We didn't end up sending her to school. I felt very strongly that we needed to homeschool her. And at the as her school year kind of wrapped up at the end of this year, 
I was fully intending to homeschool her and I kind of felt this gentle prompting of you need to give her the choice. It's time for her to choose. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I was really hoping she would choose homeschool. Um, and so I tried to lay it out as easily as I could for her. Um, and as non-biasedly as I could for her, the pros and cons of going to school with all the other kids or going um, to continue with homeschool. And um, luckily, the principal of the local elementary school is also in our ward. And so I was able to call her up and be like, hey, could we come tour the elementary school? And I was re I'm not going to lie, I was really, really nervous. Um, and as soon as I walked into the elementary school with Julia, I felt this immediate sense of peace that no matter what Julia chose, she would be protected and she would be okay. Um, and she's going to have exactly the experiences she was supposed to have. Um, and and eventually she did, she did decide to go to school. Um, and I feel a lot of peace about that, which is weird because I didn't think I would. Um, the idea of sending her to school kind of freaked me out for a long time. And then, um, after 2020, I mean, come on, right? <laughs> um, the last thing, the last quote I want to read is by Elder, um, Piper. And he says, the reality is there can be no glory without work. And so let's talk about application a little bit here. Um, one of my favorite, uh, people to listen to if you like podcasts, which if you're here, I'm assuming you do. <laughs> um, but if you like podcasts, one of my favorite podcasts, um, aside from my own, obviously, is Better Than Happy by Jody Moore. And she talks about how, um, well, okay, one of my favorite things that she's ever talked about and that totally changed the way I look at life is looking at life as though it's school right? Like sometimes we get really hard classes. We sign up for really hard classes because our major requires us to have these really hard classes, right? In order to get our degree in, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I like to look at our trials and our struggles as curriculum, right? This is what Jody, one of the things Jody teaches is that we look at it like curriculum. And so I like the idea, you know, for if nothing else sticks, I like the idea that being a holder of the priesthood is part of men's curriculum and it's not part of women's curriculum. It doesn't need to be. We still receive all of the benefits, all of the blessings of the priesthood by keeping our own covenants um, without the responsibility of being a priesthood bearer, right? That's not part of our curriculum. Our part of our curriculum is to be nurturing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have children to be nurturing. I know that there, I have lots of friends that struggle with infertility and struggle with, um, you know, trying to find an eternal companion and that doesn't change their nurturing though. They're still very nurturing to my children. They're still very nurturing to other children and other people around them. They can still build those, um, muscles, so to speak, and still fulfill that curriculum, um, when things are kind of outside of their control. Um, and so last, I guess the kind of final kind of thing I want to talk about here is how to apply. And basically I feel like if you're unsure about any of this, right, if you're unsure about whether, you know, how the priesthood works, or if you're unsure about how heavenly father and Christ feel about you, um, I would recommend taking Nephi's advice here. Um, this is in second Nephi 32 verse three. 
It says, Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I said unto you, Feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. And um, I would just like to end on that note that when we are reading the scriptures consistently, and if you don't know where else to start, just start in the Book of Mormon. I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, um, start in the Book of Mormon and just go for it and read it. Pray about it. I promise it's all there. It's all true. Um, and it'll give you all the answers that you need. I will talk to you next week.